Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome to the Sixers PHLY Sixers Post Game Show here on a late night on a Monday night as the Sixers fall to the Portland Trailblazers in an ugly fashion as to the title and thumbnail there, of course, on our show. Welcome again, my teammates as always, Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. I'm back like Tobias Harris fighting through that illness and back on the floor and we'll see what kind of effort I give versus the one that he, Sixers got out of him tonight. What's up, guys? Look, buddy, if you gave an effort like that, I would not hold it against you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Kyle, what's going on? Uh, you know, other than watching that disaster class and my headphones not currently working and dealing with a weekend of people in my mentions crying about Joel Embiid and 15 other things, I'm doing great. You know, happy to see your face again after it was just Derek and I well, mostly just me with Derek as a bystander uh, <laughs> mocking the entire city of Denver and state of Colorado on Saturday. So we got a little bit of a friendlier voice, friendlier face around here. So look, every now and then when you know you want to cook, you just got to let you cook. And that's what I did on our last show. Well, you know, I'll, I'll jump in on the Nuggets conversation when they meet in the finals. How about that? And we can talk to those folks. In June, but uh, man, buddy, they got to worry about winning a game in January <laughs> yeah. on this road trip. Let's yeah. let's not uh, put the cart before the horse on that one. Hey, man, well, you're not wrong about that. This one was bad. Three games in a row uh, here uh, along this five game road trip. Two more to go. First night of a back to back in Golden State on Tuesday night. Uh, but this one, after looking like at you know halftime and even first quarter, things were all right. They're playing a bad basketball team, and and they're certainly I'm going to fight for this when you saw the fight in them against the Denver Nuggets, as you guys talked about on Saturday. And instead, in the third quarter, where we've seen it before, but not this bad, where the Portland Trailblazers came right out and thumped them in this one by 14, 36, 22, going a big time run in that third quarter. And after that, this game was pretty much out of hand. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that sums it up pretty I well. I mean, as Kyle, as Kyle tweeted, uh, outside of the offense and the defense, they held their own. Yeah, pretty so much. I don't want to go, like, look, Derek has correctly said on the show before, and I think both of us have also echoed this, Devon. Like, the games with Joel don't really matter in terms of how we're judging them as a contender and what have you. But I do think, and like we can give Tobias some grace individually for, you know, coming back from an illness, obviously wasn't going to be at complete 100%, might have worn down even if he's having a good shooting night, whatever. I do think that game like this kind of shows 
the separation between him as your third best guy and third best guy on a lot of these other teams, right? Like or at least contending type teams because essentially Tobias, if his shot isn't falling, has no real utility to fall back on. Like we, we say that he's a versatile player, but he's mostly just a versatile scorer, right? Like he can catch and shoot. You put him in the mid post, you put him off the ball, you put him on the ball, all that, but not a guy who can consistently generate shots for other people. Defensively, he's up and down and certainly I've been in his corner on defense at times in the past, but this is a night where you're going to need somebody and you would hope it'd be the third guy making a ton of money on your team to step up. And if they're not going to score, find ways to get the other guys going, right? Like they shoot like crap in the first half from three, didn't really get a whole lot better in the second half. And there was a point where you'd say, well, somebody's going to have to manufacture looks. And it just never felt like they got there outside of Kelly Oubre driving. And unfortunately, Kelly Oubre, the driver, was undone by Kelly Oubre, the everything elser. So that was a, <laughs> that was a bit of a problem. Yes, and, he was. <laughs> you know, as I inch, as we inch closer to the deadline, which coming up next week, which is crazy to think about, that it's kind of snuck up on us a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I'm just I'm not convinced that. I don't want to say margin moves because I don't think we've been advocating for margin moves. I'm not convinced that even high level role player trades are going to be enough to get it done for this team. Like I, the more I look at their depth, the more I have to watch guys like Kelly Oubre play and decision make. And I think about them being, you know, Kelly's probably going to be at, at least right now, like you're what sixth or seventh most I yeah. on the team. Like that is just not tenable to me. And it might be tenable if, you know, your sixth or eighth or ninth most important guy was a bunch of smart players. Like you had a bunch of other Nick Batum, high IQ type guys, but they just have a lot of guys who are like, you're praying that their shots are falling because otherwise it's, it's a complete roller coaster night to night. And I just wish they had another decision maker that I really trusted on this team. Sure. One of the Part things- of that, like, you know, Tobias came back after, was it two or three games off? Probably a lot to ask him to carry, even against a team as bad as Portland. It's a lot to ask him to kind of carry that in his first game back. You expect him to be a little bit rusty. You know, if you're going to, I hate to say steal a game because Portland came in with, I think, 30th ranked offense and a shitty defense. So you should be able to beat them. I think they'd have won like four of the last 15 games. But if you're going to win a game without him beating Max, you're either going to need your shots to go down or you're going to need to dominate the possession battle and out hustle. Um, but none of that happened. They shot like three for a billion from three. They might have made a couple in garbage time. I'm not really sure. I was getting my studio set up and quite frankly, not a whole lot. Oh, I, I know they made one. Turk made one. I do remember that happening. Um, but none Our of that boy, happened. Friend of the pod, Turk Smith. Sure. Well, Don't after airballing Rick. too, like you're taking anything you can get right now. Um, but they have nobody to create a shot. And yeah, they 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 only made a couple of threes. A lot of that is because those were tough attempts because there's nobody to create any kind of space. Uh, I thought it was real discouraging in the third quarter, how they got seemingly out hustled, how there was a lot of miscommunications on defense, how the bigs were seemingly lost almost every time down. But at the end of the day, to Kyle's point, the deadline's coming up here in a little over a week. 
I don't know that any of this really changes where I stand. And quite frankly, I wasn't 100% sure where I stood going in anyway, because this is a, a deadline where none of the pieces are perfect, uh, where you are weighing whether or not you should try to wait for one to become available over the summer. And you have to judge how close you are. And we've just seen so little of Embiid and Maxi together recently that it's hard to have a great gauge. And that to me, like we can talk a little bit about the East standings getting closer. Uh, the Knicks and the Cavs don't lose anymore. That is a little bit problematic. I think the Knicks right now um, are pretty much tied. I think they're actually they ahead are, in the win column. Yep. Um, so like that lead, quote unquote, over the and for the race for the third seed has dried up. But beyond that, you just haven't had a chance to really evaluate this team in a long, long time. So as, as you guys talk about that, one thing that I wrote down in my notes for the first quarter was how Pat Beverly was the engine of what the Sixers were doing yet again. And of course, they were all inspired against Denver, nationally televised game and beat last second, not playing and, and scratching that game. And you saw how they played. You saw how Beverly played and the things that he had going on with Jamal Murray also. And that was the case again early on. But as you guys lay all of that out, I also put that there because let's see how sustainable it is once again against this team. When you also have Tobias Harris coming back and again, coming back from that illness, the flu, it's a lot to ask to carry, uh, but it was more along the lines of who else can give. And while Kelly Oubre was giving that 20 points and driving to the basket aggressively, finishing the outside shooting wasn't there so was that going to lead to a win was were they going to be winning plays were they going to be winning shots and when you needed them the most none of that was there including the engine that was Patrick Beverly because of course maybe not sustainable and the same thing with Kelly Oubre Marcus Marsh shooting the ball well same thing with Paul Reed early but when it caught up to them in the third quarter and they needed it most they need to figure something out once again to pull something out of a bag it just wasn't there and maybe that will change I don't know, on the second night of a back-to-back -back with Tobias Harris logging uh, tonight uh, for the Sixers overall 20 minutes. Let's see what he has tomorrow against a, a much better Golden State team who's still trying to get their way back uh, to where they need to be respectable in the West. You guys are right. While we haven't seen Maxie and Embiid out there on the floor for some time now with these guys, it will crop up, allow us to have it crop up again of will they be able to win and have, have your two guys double teamed and things taken away, but that third player not necessarily giving. And as much as we praised everyone else from four on down to 15 for whatever their role was on any specific and given night, so far through these three games, it just hasn't been there to make you feel comfortable. And if that's the case, if it doesn't feel comfortable for maybe us three or even for the listeners and the viewers out there, what's that going to mean? Not that he's basing just three straight games here of losses on a road trip, but what's that going to mean for the front office as they are up against it now having to figure out what they want to do and potentially making a move, how big of a move or how little of a move along the margins to make sure that this team is good enough to, again, contend for that top four seed there in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, You know what the weird thing is about watching that game and Kelly Oubre, you could argue, was if not their best player, certainly in contention for that honor. To me, watching him play only drove home how little I trust him and how much they need to get more like high IQ team first guys in here. 
And the play that might epitomize Kelly Oubre's career in just a five-second clip, end of the third quarter, you have a two-for-one situation. Kelly Oubre takes a dog shit pull-up three, and the ball hits the rim with exactly 24 seconds left. So Portland gets the ball, and you accomplished neither of your goals. You didn't get a two-for-one. And you didn't get a quality shot. And that is basically the Kelly Oubre experience in a nutshell, right? Like he had some great flashes tonight, right? Like I think when he was a driver, when he was just attacking off the dribble and getting to the rim, that's when you saw the best out of Kelly tonight. Saw him go right at uh, old Sixers player Matisse Thibel, went right through him a time or two in the first half, had some success attacking him. And if he had, just focused on the driving, that would have been great. But between that two for one, between the fighting for Paul Reed with for rebounds, and like, look, Paul has gotten in trouble himself with that in the past, or him and George Niang had it out, but I thought he was actually in the right this time, despite the fact that Nick Nurse pulled him immediately. We'll have to see how that's legislated uh, amongst the team afterward. But they just, I don't trust their... They're guys that are going to make decisions. And look, like however you want to spin it, Kelly, as someone who's going to have the ball in his hands, will be a decision maker for this team, whether you like it or not. Like he's not just strictly going to be a catch and shoot, stand in the corner type guy. And that's also not how Nick Nurse runs his team and runs his offense. So, like, look, maybe we could say if they get some of the guys we talk about, right? Like you get a Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think he's. You're upgrading the, the overall decision-making. You're also getting shot-making utility, things like that. But even still, like it's not someone you can just throw the ball to and that's a guy who can like run the offense for stretches. And I just have gotten more and more worried about the idea of like if they take – if a team takes Tyrese away, like let's just say Joel is still rolling in a series. And with his health being a question mark and his – you know history of playoff health being a problem definitely can't count on that for sure but let's just say for the sake of argument joel is healthy into the playoffs but tyrese as the lead guy is overshadowed well then you're in a spot where if tobias harris doesn't step up i don't know where that like where does that come from the anthony melton gonna shoot you through a series is kelly Oubre gonna get hot is Nick i mean Pitu is the anthony melton hot? gonna be healthy oh well, that's it Great point, Derek. Like, there are just a ton of question marks right now that, like, we can all sit here, and I'm sure there are plenty of people in chat that I'm skipping past right now that are like, look, it doesn't really matter, or it might be going the other way. Who knows at this point? I, I, I just don't feel good about where they're at right now, regardless of, you know, the health of the big fella and how that impacts things right now. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there's, and to your point, I agree. At some level, like the Anthony Melton, you trust him. I, I forget who brought it up in the chat, but some brought it up in the, he's a play finisher, not a play initiator. Whenever he's initiating plays, you're either a bad team or you're in a bad spot. And the more he does that, the more his decision-making comes into question. If he's just catch and shoot, cutting, you can live with it. If he's asked to do more, the warts really start to show. But Paul Reed, you don't really trust the decision-making. I know some people with Marcus, I don't trust Marcus' decision-making, especially if we factor in both sides of the court. A lot of the role players that you're currently relying on, you don't necessarily trust their decision-making of. 
and it becomes a lot more than that. That's in part why people are like, well, you don't need depth. Well, no, I think you could really use one or two more depth pieces that you really rely on and really trust night to night. But it all looks so much worse when everyone has to step up out of their role and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey aren't there to kind of make their lives easier and make their decision-making easier. Um, I mean, what, where, where's Ash? Ash maybe taking the night off. What are they, 25 and 6, 26 and 6? I don't blame him, by the way, at all. 26 and 7. There is something to that. Like, they, they just, anytime you ask any of these players to ramp up and step outside of their role, that's when the warts go from, like, these are mildly annoying to, holy shit, what are we doing here? I remember when we left the other night, um, the Indiana game, and I, I know I said to, I think I was talking to both of you at this point, they lose that game, and then they said that, hey, this has a chance to kind of spiral a, a little bit in the wrong direction for them because of the Denver game upcoming and just being on the West Coast overall. And if Embiid was going to have the knee issue when he banged knees with Miles Turner that night, if this was going to be something that could have been problematic going forward, which we have now seen that he has not played in these two games, that this could start to go in the wrong direction. And as Derek, you mentioned the, the standings with the Knicks being tied because the Knicks have the tiebreaker now in the third spot in the East. It's not, of course, something that we can, we need to panic about because it still is so much basketball we played in the season, but it, it, it highlights exactly the point of what do you have to, to, to hold you up when certain players are, are out right now and the trust is not there looking at some of the, the comments in the chat of course with the trade deadline coming up we're going to get even more of that stuff like we haven't done it already before but uh, it's just going to highlight it and and now that you lose it's just going to again as you lose these three straight and in the fashion that they they lose not the denver game because they did fight for that one and they almost stole that one but when you lose like they do tonight if it happens again tomorrow night against the Golden State Warriors, I mean, it's going to be the same conversation. It may, it may not, it may look pretty much the same against that basketball team on the second night of a back-to-back. But like you say, like when there are pieces out of the lineup, it's not like we're talking about Tobias Harris out of the lineup here. You're talking about Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. There aren't very many teams that you're going to be able to take their two stars, their two all-stars, or one of them is an MVP, and have a chance to compete on a night-to-night basis without them. Uh, so I do think we have to worry a little bit about overreacting here. Um, and really, I don't even know if it really matters. Cause it's not like there's a star that's going to become available here in the next couple of days that at least I don't think. Um, so a lot of it's going to be how much do you keep that powder dry for the summer? But like, I don't know. It's just like, if you were to told me that this team sucks without Embiid and Maxi before the season, regardless of who they acquired and Ubre and Morris and any other pieces, I'd be like, yeah, they probably suck without Embiid and Maxi and with Melton out and with Tobias just coming back, like I don't necessarily think anything that's happened here in the last two days or last two games has been a, a surprise. It's just there's so much uncertainty now with Embiid and that knee, with uh, Melton and that back, that I don't know how to really move forward. Well, you know what I never feel uncertain about, guys? Our good friends at Bagels & Co. Because Bagels & Co. offers huge Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week and Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels that they rotate seasonally. Really looking forward to whatever they got cooking up for this spring after some great Christmas themed bagels throughout the winter. And guys, if you're a cream cheese person like I am, they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese that rotate throughout the year. 
They have themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams. I know the Sixers have left a bad taste in your mouth recently. I can promise you the Bagels and Co., their cream cheese, even the Sixers themed cream cheese will leave a better taste in your mouth by a long shot. But just as important as that variety and the bagels and the cream cheese is the affordability. Bagels and Co. have kept their prices down as inflation goes up and up so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. And they even offer premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. All right. And after you spend some money there and you feel like spending a little bit more money because you're in a generous mood and you want to watch a good game, maybe for the big game coming up and the, and the professional football or even first game back here in Philadelphia after a five-game road trip, you go to game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful at all. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you and with killer deals on last-minute tickets. And their lowest price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Maybe you're out there in the Bay Area and you want to catch your team out there against Golden State. Well, again, flash deals, last-minute tickets for you if you want to catch Philadelphia out there in the Bay Area. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, not just hoops. Images of the seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss, etc there for you. Let me tell you about a couple of things that are also going on in game time. As we talk about last minute tickets, if you forget about planning, if you don't need to plan months in advance and you can just spur the moment, game time has the deals on tickets right up to the date of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section, and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So we do have a big super chat from Jake M that feel like we should uh, throw in here because it sort of dovetails what we're talking about, asking if Joe's injury is as serious as Ramona Shelburne made it sound on, I believe it was on NBA Today. Is it the right or the left knee? Is it non-contact or contact? Uh, I mean, you guys can sound off way in with whatever you have been told on this. Here is what I would say, big picture here. I don't feel good about us being this far into this in the situation. And all we're hearing is the symptom and not the diagnosis. We have been at this for weeks now. It might be over a month at this point. I'm not actually, I have to go back and double check the, the dates on everything. But, you know, I've talked to people, not with the team, but around Joel who prior to him returning the first time from the knee injury were saying things like, look, he's in a lot of pain and blah, blah, blah. The Sixers shot down how Ramona framed the knee injury the first time 
as I believe she got some of the, Derek, you parsed that out, that some of the specific details were off there. But I, I think it's, I'll use a term that Derek's used that he borrowed from Brett Brown. They feel like they're kind of half pregnant with this right now, where he's played through some of these games and then he misses time and the swelling flares up. And then you hear things like, oh, well, this is just something he's going to have to deal with the rest of the year. And it's like, okay, well, why? Why is this a thing that he's going to have to deal with the rest of the year? And if I'm supposed to take his and by extension their word that he's going to be about the team and the playoffs and all this rather than the 65 games and MVP and the immediate games and so on and so forth, why are we doing this like piecemeal day by day Joel might play today. He might not. He wakes up today. We don't know what's going on. Like, why is this such a day to day to day to day to day thing? If in everyone's mind, it's like, well, he's just going to have to deal with this for a while. Bless you there. And oh, did I miss why... the mute button? Daggone it. I apologize. <laughs> I have a mute button right here on my desk. I went to hit it. I guess I just missed it. So I apologize for that. Yeah, you were like it a six-point shooter tonight. That's what it happened. is 1 a.m., man. I'm trying. So. I just don't, I don't have an understanding of why this is the approach. Like, the I just didn't have time to verify I hit the button because the uh, sneeze was just coming, you know? Uh, I apologize. This guy, man. Anyway, like, the Denver game's a microcosm of it, right? Like, Joel is leading the charge. Like, I'm playing, I'm playing. Don't put me on the injury report. Ramona's reporting that he's playing. All of a sudden, right before the game, oh, he doesn't look right in warm-ups, so he's not playing. Okay, well, if it's that problematic, it has to come down to like the last 20 minutes before a game and you're not listing it. Like the messaging is all over the fucking place and I don't get it. And if it's really a problem, it needs to be addressed because we can all sit here and probably agree. If he is not at least close to hundred percent by the time the playoffs come, they are fucked. They have no chance. They are not coming out of the East or coming close to coming out of the East with a compromised Joel. And that should be priority number one, two, three, four, and five. And I don't really understand what the plan is right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you abs- You just cannot go a month. I look it up. It was um, January 5th was a game against the Knicks when he initially bumped the knees. You can't go a month just listing out the symptoms. Not on a player who has that kind of a history on lower body injuries. Not for a player that's that important to your chances. Not when this has been lingering for as long as it has been lingering. And it is, you know, it's not like 
it's the lack of reporters around the team why they're doing this. It's not like if you had more people than just Pompey on the road, they would change their, their tact on this. They have decided that they are going to list the symptoms uh, and not give any further updates on the, what is causing the symptoms, the underlying problem. And it is, I don't think, the right way to go about it. I, I sometimes wonder why and who is directing that. Um, but I don't think it is a road, you know, being on the road issue. No, and it, that's we all know what it is in terms of, of course, their chances, as you guys both talked about. If, if he's not available, then there's no shot. So if there's something that needs to be done in, in that time, and of course, the conversations with him uh, for for them to figure out what's the best way to path forward, what's the best way to move forward with this whole thing and, and trying to get this right for the postseason as they continue to talk about it, as she reported, speaking about, he wants to be right for the playoffs, not worried about the 65 games for the postseason acknowledgement as far as awards go. Well, then you need to figure out, again, how this is going to be. Is this something that he needs to just simply not play and, and rest uh, for a, a decent amount of time while getting the rehab done and getting back at it? If it doesn't require surgery, then what is the recourse here? It can't just be, let's sit this game out here, let's sit this game – and then they have to, of course, say something and, and be a little bit more upfront, uh, as you guys talked about, of how they're going to handle it because he's not available. I think we all know that they can't win. And the one thing that Derek has said is you just want to have a full Joel and B going into the postseason. And right now, after banging that knee in early early part of January and seeing this continue to be a problem now, then then they, they won't have a shot. They will not have a shot, no matter what they do in terms of making any kind of deal. Well, and by the way, the messaging hasn't just been, I'd say, unclear with Joel, right? Like Robert Covington's another great example. He leaves yeah. the lineup and it's like, yeah, wow. you know, we'll have an update soon. We'll have an update soon. We'll have an update soon. And then we get an update and it's like, oh, he's out three to four weeks. With a bone bruise. Yeah. Remember at one point they changed his his status as being out because of illness. Like it was no longer listed on the injury report as a knee. It was because of an illness. You're like, oh, maybe he's coming back soon. Uh, and then he hasn't been even close to returning since so yeah the injury reporting has not been great and it was a little better in the anthony's case right like i think they were somewhat clearer on him but they also made the claim like it's not connected to last year's back injury and yet they're being ultra cautious with this one and it's like well if it's not connected to a previous injury i i don't know it seems like you wouldn't have to be kid gloves type treatment like he's a youngish guy who heals quickly right like i don't i don't know the the messaging has been all over the place for this team and i i have not been able to figure out why i, I don't know if it's I, they didn't change medical staffs or anything and it's mostly the same people in terms of the the pr staff so the messaging should be fairly consistent and it'd be one thing if it was one guy like if this was just joel we would say well joel wants to control you know what's getting out there right like star players have that kind of pull but when cove <laughs> that situation unfolds it's like all right guys what's going on here why can't we just get straight answers about the health of the guys who are out of the lineup and even just like go back to ramona like she went from you know, it is, he's not even going to be on the injury report. He's going to play to a couple days later now being like, this is something he's going to have to manage all year. What's going on here? Like hmm. nothing happened other than him go through a walkthrough. Like, how is there not a better update than that? Uh, there needs to be 
and look, they're still calling him day to day. Like it, 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 but if it's something he's got to manage for the entire season, then you're acknowledging there's something underlying there um, that, that is not right. What's not right. Yeah, fans, look, fans deserve that. I think fans do deserve that. A hundred percent. And I also, I sympathize with the fact that look, there's a seven foot tall, almost 300 pound man there's Something's going to always be, going to be wrong. Yes. Yeah, it, it's like owning a, a high performance sports car, right? Like when it's really going, it's like, oh my God, look how fast this thing goes. It can hit every hairpin turn, blah, blah, blah. And then something goes wrong and it's in the shop for two months and you're constantly worried about, you know, what's going to go wrong next. So I get that. Like Joel's going to wake up some days. He's going to be in more pain than other days. It's going to, the knee's going to swell for reasons maybe they don't have a concrete crystal clear answer for on that day but you can't just keep trotting out swelling like that that's just not good enough and for a team that their whole hope is riding on him essentially because without him we all agree they're nowhere close to the title picture i hope that it's at least clear internally if it's not clear to us whatever the plan is and that's crazy because it, it takes us back to a week ago today where he dropped that 70. And of course we could have seen him staying out of the game and, and resting when he had 59 after three quarters, he comes back in. Were they ever really, I mean, we talked about it, of course, but were they ever really, really in danger of losing that game against the San Antonio Spurs? Probably not. But of course, because of the 70, getting his 60 is a career high, surpassing that 59. He came back in the game. That was a week ago. And he did what he did, as you mentioned, high power sports car is going to give you 70. And then now he's got to sit out because there's something uh, that, you know, the difference is, of course, you can get some sort of loner and you can still rev it up and go as fast as you always can. In this case, really he taking this analogy to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Reed revved it up as best as he could against the Denver Nuggets. But again, how can, how, 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 how consistent can that be? Uh, when when that guy is out there, and it's just that's just not just not the answer. And of course, if you had the other guy who's next to him and Tyrese Maxey available and healthy, and Tobias Harris available and healthy, and, and the same for D'Anthony Melton, Robert Covington, and whomever else you want to mention, it's still not good enough. It, it, it still all revolves and rotates around him and, and what he is. So ho- hopefully, he's healthy enough where they can still make that push in the postseason but somehow figuring out what they need to do, whether it's rest, not letting them play in an all-star game, things like that. And just being in control of, hey, if, if you're really about, we need to be healthy for the postseason, then let's just make a concerted effort to do what we need to do to do that. Right now it's the rest on the road trip. Maybe he comes back for the first game at home on Saturday and, and plays in that game. And maybe he takes another, some other time off. I, I, I don't know, but, Again, it just made me think about going back a week ago. The guy just dropped 70 points on a bad knee. Well, and that's the amazing thing. Like when he plays, like you can barely tell he's on a bad anything. Uh, he can yeah. play through. When he's playing through injuries, he can still be effective uh, because that skill level and that dom- that physical dominance is so high. And what what and, and and to that point, when he plays, and of course he wants to play, keep me off of the injury report for Saturday's game what was it that stopped them as you guys talked about what what was it that pulled them back yeah what did they see they how they bad do you have like to look in a pregame saw. warm-up right. for them to be like no you can't play yeah right yep yep and by the way guys some fair comments in the chat asking 
when exactly did Tyrese hurt his ankle? Like we did, that was just kind of, oh, he popped up on the injury report and there's not been a whole lot of explanation for that. I don't recall seeing him roll it, certainly not in a, a recent game in a meaningful way that I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's been dealing with this. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a guy who's played a gargantuan amount of minutes this year to get a couple of days off in the middle of the season. You just pack it in for a couple of games and let some other guys play. And you could argue, let some other guys show off and potentially showcase some trade value. But <laughs> can't say there are many guys showcasing trade value tonight in that game against Portland. And uh, hopefully this doesn't balloon into a, a situation with Tyrese, too, as we're talking about some uh, unclear messaging on the health stuff. I, I didn't write anything. I thought I saw him tweak it um, at one point, but I didn't think, as you said, I didn't think it was anything that was worth noting because, you know, put it in my notes just because it didn't seem like it was all that bad. It was more of a, he flexed it, got to the free throw line kind of thing and just shook it off. But if, if that one was the one, I did not put it in my notes, but I just vaguely remember him rolling it but not enough where i thought he was going to miss any time and as far as as far as up in their trade value i guess saturday was a was their one opportunity to really do that in that game against them or malcolm brogdon trying to do that in, in this case to come to philadelphia with the way he showed out against them tonight Got a lot of showcase games for uh, guys oh, we talked about on the show. <laughs> oh man, Clay Thompson next. <laughs> Got Markinen right after that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, the Nets. Mm -hmm. So we'll get Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. That's looks, and listen, Simmons. Man, wow, actually, wow. that's had a triple double. Well, I'm not discussing him. Although there was a. <laughs> uh, Frequent listener of the pod, Jamie Fretz, who tweets at us quite frequently, had a, yeah. a question tonight uh, on Twitter after the game about – it's not even really a question. So somebody said that the Nets won the trade again tonight, which is, you know, just – are we really going to do this again? <laughs> it's like every few months we have to do the this dance. But I think this part is true that Jamie pointed out it sure would be nice to have those first round picks that they traded for uh for Harden as part of the Ben package in order to potentially make a move now. Now the 2022 first that they would have moved or that they moved and was already used, that would be as valuable as the player that was selected, obviously. But that 2027 pick would have been a potential chip and a something to throw in or something to combine with other assets, depending on how you value the, the Clippers pick that they got that 26 that they have from uh, what is it? The worst of OKC Houston and I'm blanking on the third team, Miami, maybe am I misremembering that Clippers Clippers. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that probably should have been obvious. I, I just couldn't remember where it the was pick so actually. I was starting to second guess myself, but I'm also yeah. second guessing myself because it's 1.15 in the morning and we just <laughs> watch stop basketball. So. so Jamie pointed that out and look, you wouldn't have been able to use all of them in one trade because of the various trade rules, but bottom line, it would definitely be nice to have, you know, that 2027 pick. I just one extra chip in the war chest, so to speak, to potentially make one of these moves. 
Well, since you brought that up, plus the other Nets guys. But I also don't think like we we talk about that. I don't think there's going to be a player available that's worth trading four or more first round picks anyway. So I'm not really sure it's going to be that much of a hinge. I think the biggest question mark isn't going to be who should you go all in for? It's is there anyone worth going all in for? Or should you wait until the summer when you do have five picks, when you might be able to get Devon's cousin to get asked out? All of those things. Come on, um, Devon. Get on it. Come on. You have one job. So that's what the the bull RJ was coming at me. Yes, and I have one job. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I don't work for the Sixers, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I I I don't think that's necessarily going to be a hindrance because I just don't see anyone. Like, we can pipe dream about marketing, him, but that's a pipe dream. He's not he's not walking through that door. Um, I don't think there's going to be anyone necessarily worth giving up four first round picks for. Yeah, no, and we'll we'll, we'll see um, because it, it is going to be something that we have to, it got here fast. As much as we've talked about the trade deadline and Kyle, when you said it next week, I'm like, damn, next week. But yeah, next Thursday, you know, next Thursday, this is, this is going to be right, right around that time, man. When we start to hear some, some more things and talk about a few more things that potentially crops up and where, where do they go from here? What's the, what name is this? But uh, we haven't heard anything new as far as other names that are out there that could become available, the only thing that really has happened now is Julius Randle's going to be out with a separated shoulder for the Knicks. Didn't skip a beat, of course, tonight going against the Charlotte Hornets, but we'll see what that means going forward for them. Do they do anything else? That was already being discussed anyway, that that would do anything uh, to, to open up a spot, maybe to add another body to their roster. Does the team even trade for him? So, and now with the Knicks right there in the mix with the Sixers for that that third spot now in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be really it's going to be really really interesting to see how they attack things, how they go about their business here uh, during this trade deadline. Which, by the way, you you bring up the trade deadline. I do want to bring up we don't necessarily we're not promoting a full before yet, um, but we are going to be doing a live show. From Chicken and Egg in Marlton on the day of the deadline, it is going to be a two-hour event. So from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, come out, hang out with us, watch us react in real time to um, to the trade deadline. Uh, it'll be a good time. Like I said, we will have more details on that, but I just want to throw it out there. Get, I mean, look, if you're up at 1.15 in the morning watching us talk, you should get a little bit of a sneak preview of what we will be uh talking about here in the coming weeks yeah and i i believe that will be the first time i had i don't derek or devon one of you might know but i believe it'll be the first time we'll have all four the three of us along with rich hoffman hopefully yeah uh, i don't know yeah. if that's been certainly on a first. show yeah yeah, yeah I, I think the four of us will be on that show and so we'll be you know working all the the phones to lock down some trade rumors we'll be discussing all the NBA stuff going on, even if the Sixers don't un- end up making a move. But so was that the eighth, the ninth? When is that? I wish I knew eighth. my it's the eighth. February eighth at Chicken and the Egg, Marlton. So obviously we'd love to see as many of your beautiful pa- faces as possible. And for those of you that don't show up, love to see you in the chat as well, for sure. Yes. Al says chicken and egg. Yes, the chicken and the egg. Al, come on out there. Show your face again. Come hang out with us. Love to see you uh, again now. Two to four. Two to four. It should be a fun time. Show your face. Show your love. Wait, no, that's a, that's a different ad read we're not doing today. Yeah. Oh, all right. You know, 
all good. Do you have anything else from that game in the morning. That, uh, that jumped out at you or what? That jumped out? Um, no. When you shoot five for 29 from three, you're going to have a hard time winning without Embiid and Maxi. I mean, the defense jumped out. Like, Portland's a terrible offensive team, and they got whatever mm-hmm. they wanted. But everyone's just so overextended. that, Like, I'm really trying not to freak out too much. 95% of my concern comes from the fact... I mean, look, a week ago, you were on this show saying that you didn't fear the Bucks in a playoff series. Uh, even with Doc, even with all that. I don't necessarily think that evaluation's wrong. There's just so much. There's a, a dark cloud hanging over the team right now, and that includes a lot of uncertainty, and that uncertainty makes people panic because there's already uncertainty that you didn't know how they were going to perform in the playoffs, that you didn't necessarily trust playoff and bead at 100%, that you didn't know how Maxi would respond to that attention. Now you throw in more uncertainty with the injury status, with even Melton's in- injury status, and, and not having necessarily the role players that you're comfortable in, and I think people are panicking. And the story of the Sixers season is Embiid plays, they win five in a row, he misses some times, they lose three in a row, and we all panic. Then he comes back and they win five in a row, and we're all like, yay, everything's great. And it's just such a roller coaster, and it's all then underscored by the fact that we just haven't had a playoff run where he's really given us what we hope for. And a lot of that comes down to injuries, and injuries now is a big talking point around this team and it's just just one year i just want to and it doesn't even matter if we go into the postseason where he's injury free because then he'll just get elbowed in the eye socket or some weird shit will happen like we're always waiting for that shoe to drop and i think a lot of people right now are worried that this is the first sign of the shoe to drop and we just don't know and part of that shame on the sixers for not being open enough with the injury part of it's the fact that this is now you know there's been two stints of him being out multiple games with the knee and it's just it kicks off everyone's worst instincts. Wow. We have at least one dose of positivity in the comments. A super chat from our boy Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats. Ricky Council needs more minutes. Our guy, Rick, with some Go get him, Rick. Awesome, insanely <laughs> awesome dunks in uh, extended garbage time tonight. So that was, that was certainly fun to see. I would add on to that, uh, to quickly touch on the game that is the headline of the show i thought mo Bamba looked okay in his return to action tonight i actually thought he tried hard like played hard and that as nick nurse has said is one of his biggest problems is like the guy's got the tools seeing him fly back in transition to contest a, a jeremy grant three i was like man that's like he's like a completely different guy than somebody we've seen in the past yeah. so some decent he moments. A, he had a couple of minutes of moments where he got beat, um, you know, sort of like ball watching. And and that's fine, though. The effort was there. Um, yeah, sure. If that's what we're going with as a positive, it's pretty dire straits, but I don't disagree with you. Nah, he, um, it was a play with Tobias Harris. Forced the pass to him in the lane. It was really crowded in the third quarter. Shoveled it to him. He came back out, shot the fadeaway jumper, shot clock violation. Tobias shouldn't have passed it to him. And I thought Nick Nurse was going to pull Tobias and get him out of the game because it was about six minutes to go. And instead, he took Mo Bamba. So I'm like, huh, I wonder if he's really putting that blame on Mo Bamba. But then Bamba came back in and he continued to play well. And uh, he has the first game back after missing that time. He looked pretty good. 
in the minutes that he was out there. Has a few of those space cadet moments from time to time, but uh, for the most part, he looked he looked pretty good. Davon also says, can we just get a bench of 46, 36, 78 basic players? <laughs> 46, I feel like the whole league would like to have those type of players. <laughs> yeah. so that's a little bit difficult. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. But, hey, tough loss. Uh, ugly effort uh, against that team. First night of a back-to-back. They're in Golden State. Take on Steph Curry. And Draymond Green is back in the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday night. So should be an interesting one against that team. They had the night off Milwaukee lost first game for Doc Rivers. They lost to the Denver Nuggets, New York won, as we mentioned, Boston uh, also, uh, did Boston play? Yeah, they, they beat New Orleans by six at home. So now everybody right around the Sixers, those were their final scores for them. Sixers dropped theirs tonight. They're now 29 and 16 on the campaign. All right, everybody. We ready to get out of here? Should I say goodbye to our peeps in the middle of the say night here? Yeah, well, folks. Middle yeah, of I ain't the got night shit here. left. <laughs> got to tell them good night now. Some of us, anyway. Uh, would like to send a giant thank you to everybody who's with us, especially our fellow East Coasters. So Jay of the Jungle has been maybe the most active chatter tonight. He's been taking on all comers in the comments, fighting so everybody. <laughs> Jay of the Jungle. We got Jason Hines. You a fraud, Sam, Cannoli, <laughs> R.C. Campbell, the Bull R.J. What up, R.J.? Jake M., who gave us a giant super chat. Thank you to Jake M. Davon gave us a couple of super chats toward the end. Thank you, my friend, for stopping through, as always. Eric Schmidt, Kane, Furious. I know Al, the two-minute warning, was in here. So what up, Al, what up, as Al? always? <laughs> Let's see. I'm still going up here. Uh, Dude, I'm sorry. My brain is, if I miss people or I don't get, Elaine, we have Liam Stevens. I'm saying Cannoli again because I wish what up, Cannoli? more people named Cannoli here. <laughs> uh, we had another British. I know we have Puppas, but I believe there was someone named, there we go, Big British Lad, who said 6.12 a.m., LOL, I really stayed up to watch this game. So Big British uh, Lad. Getting ready for work. <laughs> Look at that. What up? We really yeah. appreciate you being in here with us tonight. Guys, if you have not already, I'm Finny Chase. There's another one. I'm cutting the names off there. Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the bell icon so you get notifications Ding. every time we go live. I imagine all you guys do who are in here, but I'm just saying it anyway. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out because it'll give Derek an extra boost of caffeine that he is surely going to need tomorrow after staying up late. We will see you guys tomorrow night after the Warriors game. Good night, everybody. Good night. 